right, good morning, church family. It's so good to see you. How you feeling today? All right, good, good, good. There's a great atmosphere in this room. I want to just look into the camera and say thank you to all of you that tune in online. Uh, shout outs today going to Brett and Jordan in Texas, and then a special one to my man Q. Thank you guys for tuning in. Listen, if you're watching from somewhere and would like a shout out, I love doing them. It's a lot of fun to me. And so uh, let us know where you're watching from. Throw it in the comments. Go to our website, go to contact us, however you want to let us know. I would love to shout you out. Church, would you give it up for those that tune in online? Thank you guys for being with us. And thank you to those that are in the room, particularly if you're a first-time guest. I would love to just give you a very special welcome. I always say this because I believe this, that I think coming to a church like in person for the first time is a pretty brave thing to do. Um, even if you screened us online and you checked us out, uh, sometimes walking into the room for the first time can be a little daunting because you don't really know what you're going to get. So I hope that so far you have felt very loved. Uh, very welcomed, and quite frankly, I hope that you feel right at home. If you don't know me, my name is Josh, and I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Church on the Rock. I love what I get to do, and I love being able to do it with you. So welcome to everybody that's in the room. One more round of applause, if you would, for the first-time guests. Thank you guys for being here. Great to have you. Great to have you. Uh, by the way, if you're a guest for the first time, there's a gift for you at the welcome desk in the lobby. Make sure you pick that thing up on your way out today. So I want to get into part three of a series that we've been in, and we're calling it Forever, Forever, emphasis on the number four. These glasses that are on this table with me this morning are the representation of those four things. Now, if you are, uh, are a first-time guest, you've not been a part of any of the installments of this series, I would really, really encourage you that if you like what you hear today, to go back and get the context that got us to this point. Because I, I, I really dig into what I think God is trying to do in the lives of all people on earth. I've, in fact, I think that what God was trying to do in the lives of people hundreds and thousands of years ago, I think that God is trying to do in the lives of people today. I think that his agenda then is his agenda now. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us back just a super fast recap because we've been going to the Exodus story. This is where uh, God's people, the people of Israel, were held in Egyptian captivity. And we all kind of know this story, uh, even if you're not very familiar with the Bible, perhaps because of movies. When God would send Moses to Pharaoh in Egypt, and he would say, hey, I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But the best part was, is that God didn't just send Pharaoh, Moses to Pharaoh with a message to Pharaoh. He sent Moses with a message to his people, and that message is found in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. We're going to look at that together, and here's what it says. It says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and there are four things that the Lord says he declares into the life of his people. And the first is, he says, I'm going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'm going to free you from being slaves to them. I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment and... I'm going to take you as my people, as my people. And this is what we've been unpacking, is that these four, uh, in, in the Jewish faith, they refer to them as the four I wills. And these four I wills are represented by four individual cups that would have been consumed if you've ever been a part of like a Passover Seder. So like, remember Jesus, the Bible talks about on the night when he was betrayed and he broke bread and he gave thanks. You probably heard that at communion if you've been a part of that. They actually would have been celebrating that meal and they would have been partaking in these four unique glasses of wine throughout the course of that meal because they all have a strong representation. And the representation comes 
from this story and from this passage. And what we've been saying is that we believe that there are four things that God was trying to do in the lives of those people. And I believe it's the same four things that God is trying to do in the life of you and me. And so again, I've been saying this every week, I'll probably continue to say it, that if you consider Church on the Rock your church home, I would love for you to memorize these four things because we are all about God's agenda happening in our lives today. And they are these four things. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. Why do we want this? Because I believe with all of my heart, God wants this. I believe this is exactly what God has always wanted for people, and I believe it's what God wants for his people today. And we've been unpacking this just a bit, and we've been talking about how really it's not a linear equation. Let me, let me unpack that just a moment. It's not that you just know God, like I give my life to Jesus. I put my faith in him. I'm a Christian. Now I know God. And then I find some freedom from some stuff. How many of you guys have some stuff going on in your lives? I know I do. You don't have to raise your hand, but I just know that I do. And, and it's nice that maybe I can find some freedom. Then I might discover the purpose. Like this is the glass right here that so many faith filled Jesus following people really never partake in because they get perpetually stuck in the second cup and what happens is that they say to themselves well God's still working on me I can't really make a difference and I can't I, I can't really do anything because God's still working on me to which I would say join the club because God's still working on me like I'm the lead pastor of the church and I'm still in the second cup trying to find freedom from some things if I waited until I was totally unpacked done perfect you would never hear from me ever like ever. We'd get to heaven and he'd be like, Josh, there you are. I'm like, I finally arrived. That would be the spot. But there's this reality that God wants us to discover our purpose. Let me say it this way. Like, I know I got saved and God's working on some things in my life, but like, why? And I believe there is purpose for every single one of you. In fact, I believe that we were made on purpose for purpose. So, so you're not like too far gone or too broken or too jacked up or have a, a past too checkered. It's just, it's not true. There's a purpose for your life. And then ultimately the best cup, in my opinion, is when we get, we, we discover like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be doing this with a, with a community, with a family, with a church body. He wants us to become a part of a people. But listen, it's not linear. It's not like I did the one thing and then I did the second thing and I got all the way to the fourth thing and now I'm done. What we've been describing is that this is not a one and done, it's not a linear equation, it's actually a perpetual cycle. In fact, I believe, and I've called it the miracle in the middle, I believe that when we partake in all of these cups all of the time is when we're living in the most miraculous place that God would have for us. I think it's like the sweet spot. It's really where God wants us to be. What we're going to do today is we're going to tunnel down into the first cup. I want to talk to you today about knowing God. In fact, I think this one is so deep and so significant, we're going to talk about it for the next two Sundays. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with a prayer. We, we looked at a lot of these verses, we're just repeating them, and I think that's okay. Because I think if we hide God's word in our heart, we might not sin against him, right? So I'm going to be repetitive a little bit, but I'm trying to communicate vision, and I'm trying to communicate today. What does it really, really feel like, look like uh, to know who God is. And so last week, this is where we were. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, we're only going to read this one verse. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing a letter to the Ephesian church. And he's talking to them about his prayer life. And like, hey, I pray for you. And when I pray for you, this is what I pray. 
And he says this, that I keep asking, I love his fervency, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you will know him, say the last word out loud, that you would know him better, better. Because I think we all can agree that I can know God for the first time, but I can always know God more and more and more and more. And I think this is easy for us to understand, actually, just because of our relationships with people, any people. How many of you know that you can know a coworker more and more and more? Your spouse, more and more and more. Your child, more and more, et cetera, et cetera. You pick the relationship. I can be introduced to someone, but I can always know them more and more and more. And what I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about really knowing God. And I'd like to illustrate this a little bit with a story. I'm a storyteller. May I, may I have your permission to share a story this morning? Some years ago, some years ago, uh, coincidentally, I did not do this on purpose. Today is the Daytona 500, okay? And years ago, to which somebody goes like, yeah, and somebody goes like, who cares? Cool. I don't, whatever, it doesn't matter. You can receive from this story. But some years ago, I was at a NASCAR event, and I had the distinct privilege to meet Coach Joe Gibbs. Now, you can either be a race fan or a football fan, and you would know who Coach Gibbs is. Incred he's, one of, he's like one of my all-time sports heroes. And here was Coach Gibbs, and he was walking from one room basically to another. And let me tell you something. As soon as Coach Gibbs got outside, there, were, there was like a, a, a wad of people around Coach Gibbs. I was one of those people. And I just wanted him to sign something. I just wanted to be near the legend, man. Like this guy, like I'm a football fan and a race fan. I have a secret passion for race cars I don't talk about much. But I was like, man, this guy has been at the top of both of these mountains. And I would love to just go get near him. I want him to sign something for me. And he did. I, I walked beside him for a moment, you know. And he even asked my name. Uh, what's your name? I'm like, oh, hey, I'm Josh. Oh, hey, Josh. And he gave me an autograph. And that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Now, I met Coach Gibbs. We, we met each other. We don't know each other. I mean, I could go around and try to brag about it, like, oh, yeah, me and Coach Gibbs, you know, we're down, we're tight. Like, that would not be true. <laughs> but I did meet him. I met him like the rest of those people kind of in that congregation that were sort of fanfaring after his attention and hoping for maybe a moment to speak with him and an autograph from him. And for me, again, just being the sports fan that I am, it was like, it was like a moment, man. I, like I'll, I'll, I still have the autograph. I'll never forget it. But man, I met Coach Gibbs. Well, there's a person who coincidentally attends our church. Um, now, his name is Joe, Okay. And uh, his initials are J.D. So I'm going to try to create some separation. Because if you know Coach Gibbs, you know that his name is Joe. Um, and you know that his late son was known as J.D. I'm not referring to his son. I'm referring to someone who attends our church. We're going to call him J.D. Fair enough? J.D., I just want to show you, Rob, if we've got the photo. I'd love to show you a photo this morning. That is a 1987 Super Bowl championship ring from the Washington Redskins, right there. And the interesting thing is, I did not get this photo off the internet. I got this photo from my friend, J.D., who was the strength and conditioning coach on the 1987 world champion Washington Redskins. Now, 
It's pretty awesome, especially if you're a, a kind of a nutty sports fan or particularly football fan like me. Now, how many of you know that I met Coach Gibbs, but how many of you know that JD knows Coach Gibbs? There's a difference. There's a significant difference. And the difference is that JD had interactions with him. He was a part of the staff and a part of the team. He would, he would execute certain things that coach may ask for. Um, he was there on the sidelines. He was probably there in the, in the locker room after the game with champagne going everywhere. And the dude's celebrating this moment and this championship. And I only bring this up to suggest that there's a real difference between my interaction with Coach Gibbs and JD's interaction with Coach Gibbs. If I was to ask you, who really knows coach, I'd lose. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. I believe that there are many, many people, you can take that away, it's so distracting and beautiful. <laughs> I just think that thing is awesome. But I actually think that this same thing can happen in the life of, of a Christ follower. I actually think that there, unfortunately, are people that have met Jesus. They've put their faith in him. Like, like it was a moment. It mattered. It was significant. It's, it's like when I encountered Coach Gibbs. It was awesome. I, I longed for it. I was in the presence, in my opinion, of greatness. And he spoke to me very kindly. He's remarkably genuine. And, and he spoke to me, and I, and I, oh, this is amazing. And this is a little pre-selfie world, so I didn't capture one. But I encountered the coach, man, the legend, and I was, I was awestruck by it. And I still, all these years later, I talk about it because it was cool for me. And I think that there are sometimes people that in the same way, they encounter Christ Jesus. And it may have been very significant. It may have been a moment where you were in awe of it. It may have been a moment where you longed for it. Like, I want, I want to encounter greatness, and I want to be near God, and this is amazing. But, unfortunately, sometimes, some people, they only take one sip, one time. I want to talk to you about knowing God. Because I don't want to just encounter him once. I don't want to just encounter him at church on Sundays. I don't want to just encounter him every so often. I want to know God. I want to, know, I want to really know the Father. I actually believe that that's your desire too. And so can we go deeper this morning? Can we talk a little bit about knowing God? I want to take you to John chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. And this is the words of Jesus. And he says this, I am the good shepherd. Watch what he says. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Four times, Jesus uses this word, know, to, to know. The word that he uses here is the Greek word, gnosko. You're going to know that word before you leave today. It's the word, gnosko. In the Greek and as Jesus is making this proclamation he is saying that I gnosko my sheep and they gnosko me just as my father gnoskos me and I 
gnosko my father. This is an interesting word. It's a pretty powerful word because it's a very unique word and a very specific word. And the word gnosko is a word that, that the Jewish audience would fully understand the exact complexity and depth of that word. In fact, it is the same word, it's a Jewish idiom, it's the same word that would be used the way that a husband knows his wife. It actually unpacks a bit of a sexual reference a little bit. Relax. Because what I want to assure you is that our God is not speaking in sexual terms. But what he is speaking about and what the Jewish ear would have heard very, very clearly and would have understood perfectly that us English-speaking people need a little bit more teaching on is that he's not referencing a sexual relationship. What he's referencing is the two becoming one. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. That they, that they will no longer be two separate individuals, but that they would be one flesh brought together in a unique relationship where this person knows that person like nobody else does. The word gnosko would continue in thought to say to know you, to know you more, to continue to know, to deepen my knowledge of. The, the, the definition is rather deep on this word gnosko. And Jesus is saying that I want them to know me in a gnosko kind of way. That I'm not some distant God far away looking to get you, but I know you as one. In the same amazing, overwhelming for our limited minds to understand that Jesus and the Father were in fact one. Jesus was all man and he was all God at the same time. I don't know about you, but my mind is like, don't, I cannot understand and yet the prayer of Jesus is, Father, in the same way that you and I are one, this is how I want to know my people. And this is how I want my people to know me. That we would go into the most intimate and personal relationship that he knew how to describe in language. That you and I would actually become one. Father, this is who I lay my life down for, are the people that gnosko me. In John 17, 21, I want to take you to a prayer. And this is Jesus again, and here's what he says. I pray that they will all be what? One. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, and I am in you. And you see that dot, dot, dot right there? That means there's more verse behind that final word that I'm showing you. That's next week. Next week, we're going to go beyond the dot, 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 okay? Today, we're going to stay right here in this concept of gnosko, to know God. Not to know God like I know Coach Gibbs, but to know God, maybe a little more like JD might know Coach Gibbs. Maybe to go even layers beyond that, that we would know God perhaps the way you know your spouse. In the most personal, most direct way 
where the two actually become one. And I just wanted to unpack it a little bit because I had this great transition, everybody, uh, at the dot dot. I did. I was like, mm, man, this is where I'm going to flip it and the fire's going to come. I'm going to motivate our church, man, and we're going to talk about knowing God and all these things. And then, honestly, I had to just slow down. I even asked my wife, like, Lauren, like, what's better? Should I do it this way or should I, should I do it that way? My wife speaks way more into these messages than you would probably know and she would ever give herself credit for. So I got her input. What do, what do you think? And then we just finally decided, like, this is where we think God wants us to be because here's the thing. I'm a missional-minded person, and we are a missional-driven church. But for those of us in this room, and I recognize that may not be everybody in this room currently or everybody tuning in online, but hang with me. For those of us in this room that are following Jesus, I I, I didn't want to just say God wants to know us like one and then move on to a mission. I want to actually pedal here and talk about what does it look like to really know God, to get in a gnosko kind of relationship where we become one. He is right here all the time that I move and think in the ways that he would want me to because this relationship is personalized and galvanized and it has gone deeper than just an encounter with someone great. And so I want to, I just want to go a little bit deeper and I'm going to give you four thoughts today on how you and I can gnosko the Father. And the first is this, I think that we can understand this oneness with him and this closeness with him first by knowing his word. So listen, if you're one of those people that's like looking for like a unique revelation that you've never heard before, I'm just here to let you down. That's not what I'm going to give you today. I'm going to give you the same simple truths and the things that you might expect the preacher to say I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about the power of God's word. And really, if if you want to gnosko the Father, if you want to have a oneness with God himself, I'm just telling you, there, there is no secret sauce. There's just a living word. In fact, I think that everything in our relationship with God comes from the word of God. I will preach that this is infallible and perfect from the front to the back. It is God's holy word. That's just my belief. I will not preach any different thing. And I I think for us to to get beyond this this encounter with God, an emotional moment like when I met the coach, but to get into a relationship and a comfort and an understanding, I'm just telling you that you've got to know God's word. And I recognize that for some of us, let me just kind of speak to my own story, I think that I'm one of the most fortunate people ever, because, and I like to say it this way because I have a uh, distinguishing sort of difference here, but I was so blessed because I did not grow up around religious people. I grew up around godly people. And I think you would understand the delineation in my own context here. The religious people are annoying. I don't really want to hang around you. I'm just being honest. And I don't mean to be heavy. I'm just being real. Godly people, like, I can't get enough of your company. And I just had the privilege to grow up around people. They were godly. You know, like, yeah, we did the whole church thing and all that stuff. But, like, I watched them live it every day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would see them sacrifice and serve and give 
do things that were just in line with God's word. And what I got to witness all the time was just godliness. And so I didn't always see just like, just like happy-go-lucky church stuff. I mean, I really got, and I did see that. And I saw amazing things in church services. So please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not trying to diminish the gathering of the saints in a service like this. But I got to see it like on Tuesdays. And, and I got to watch it when, when it was like hard to be obedient to God's truth. And I got to see like, like their obedience is hurting them, but they're doing it. And I got like, that's what chiseled me into longing to even have a desire to have a relationship with God. It wasn't phony. Is that making sense? Not everybody had that. I get it. Some of you guys are like, listen, you know, like, like when I was, when I was a kid, like a teenager and you said first person to Ephesians one, I, I, I might beat you. Like, I maybe, like, I kind of under, there are some, you're like, it is a daunting book. I don't understand. I don't know where to start. And listen to me, I, 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 in this message, I don't have time to, like, unpack it and say, start here. Here's what I would say. And, and I mean, listen, I mean this in the, in the most compelling and compassionate way possible. But listen to me. Figure it out. And I, I don't mean that, like, figure it out, buddy. I mean, like, who do you know that knows the word? Start asking questions. Like, I, I can't tell you how often I Google scriptures about freedom, enter. I might, I don't know, I don't have them all memorized, but I can get a database really, really quick from one of the greatest resources we've ever been given, the internet. Get, who, who teaches the truth? Be careful. Who teaches it that you can learn from? I know somebody in our church that listens to a sermon every single day from pastors and teachers that she trusts to teach the word of God. Every day. She gets a different flavor of a message from somebody. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe you say, well, the closest I feel to understanding God's word is when I show up to church on Sunday. Keep coming. Like, why wouldn't you keep doing this? Because it'll help you to gnosko the Father. Am I making sense? My, my point is, get hungry for God's word and go get in it. And start somewhere, because it is alive. And anyway, let's read what the Bible says about itself. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it. That, that means to like sit in it and think about it and mull it over in your mind. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. That's what I want. Man, that's what I need to know. Second Timothy chapter 3. The Bible says this. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful. I love that. And listen to me. Let's keep reading, because it's useful, useful for some things, like things we might not want. But it might teach us what's true, and it might make us realize what's wrong in our lives. Ouch, but that's godliness. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. If I'm going to gnosko the Father, things are going to have to change in me. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Listen to me, follower of Jesus. You want to gnosko the Father? You want to know God? We need to know God's word. Irreplaceable. It is the lifeline of the follower of Christ Jesus. You will not survive this life of faith without the word of God in your heart. Amen. Number two, number two, I'm going to encourage us to know his way. God has a, he has like a way that he does things. 
and we would all understand this, like at, at your work, there's a certain way things are done, and there are a way things aren't done. And that might be true in your home, and that might, you understand, right? Whatever it is, there's a certain way. God has a way. He has a way of life. He has a way of thinking. He has a demeanor. He has an attitude. He has a personality. He, like God has, there's characteristics of our God. And the Bible tells us that God's way is perfect. It's perfect. I want you to notice the very next word, that the Lord's word is flawless. In fact, I think everything else I'm going to say hinges on number one. To know God's word is how I'm going to learn to know God's way. It'll teach me. It'll instruct me. It will begin to show me. It'll show me where to run to. I can take refuge in him. It'll protect me. It'll guard me. It'll lift me up like we spoke about in, in the worship this morning on wings like eagles, like the word of God. But it'll start to help me to understand this is how God operates. This is the way God thinks. This is what God would want from me. And all of a sudden, what we'll start to discover is like, well, this must be God's way. And then, and I love this verse, Isaiah chapter 30, because I think this happens in the lives of of believers, whether you turn to the right or to your left, your ears, and I'm talking about your inner ear, like your spiritual ear, is going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. And some of you, no matter where you are in this journey of faith, maybe you're brand new, early to it, maybe seasoned, been doing this for a long time, or somewhere in between, you've had those moments where you're like, yeah, 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 I remember, I got a prompting, I got like a nudge, it's like I almost, I just knew this is what God wants me to do. This is the way. If I'm going to gnosco the Father, I need to know his word. I need to know his way. Number three, I need to know his plan. I need to know his plan. You ready for it? Jeremiah 29, 11. I want you to see it. Listen, this is true for you, just like it was true for Jeremiah. The Lord himself speaking, saying, I know the plans I have for you. It, it's like God's like, I have a plan. And guess what? It's good. Some of you need to hear that. My plan for you is good. To which your pushback would be, well then, why did that happen? Why did they die? Why was I abused? Why was I betrayed? Why was I wronged? Why was I hurt deeply in that way? Why? And here's what I would say to you. Listen to me. When you, this is something that has been speaking to me like crazy. When you cannot understand the mind of God, you can always trust the heart of God. I, I stole that from Pastor Joby Martin at Church of 1122. I heard him say that. I said, man, that's gonna, that's, I'm going to tattoo that to my heart. Because I can't tell you how many times it's like, God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. If you would just heal them, wouldn't you get glory? God, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would, why would you allow their lives to be taken now? Like, it doesn't even make sense. They had so much potential and so much that you were calling them to. And then, God, why? Why would you allow this person to have to have endured that kind of mistreatment? Why, God, would you? And I have to step back and say, God, I know that you have a plan. And I know, Father, that you see what I can't see. Your ways are different than my ways. Your thoughts are different than my thoughts. And God, what I'm going to do when I can't understand the mind of God, I'm going to just sit back and recognize that I can trust always the heart of God. Let me tell you something, regardless of what you've experienced, how you've been hurt, what you've been through, listen to me. God has a plan, and it is a plan for good and to prosper you. And I'm encouraging you, lean into the heart of our Father. This is when we gnosco him, when we can't understand, but we say, I know you have a plan, and your plan is good. 
Amen. Amen. Number four, and this is where we're going to close. I think if we're going to gnosko the Father, we have to know his word. We have to know his way. We have to know his plan. And then listen, this is so big. We have to know his people. If, if there is a soapbox that I'm going to get on, it's going to be this one. Because, listen to me, human being, you will never find success alone. It's the truth. It's the truth. Can I tell you this, follower of Jesus, you'll never find freedom alone. You'll never discover purpose alone. You'll never make a difference alone. And I don't think you'll gnosko the Father alone. We're simply not wired that way. In the story of, of uh, Genesis and the creation story, which has got to be one of the richest, deepest, most amazing portions of Scripture in all of the Bible. There is so much. You could preach in Genesis chapter 1 for a year and never tap into the depths of what's going on there. But I love that the Bible talks about some things in the creation story. And one of the things that it talks about is how God would speak these things into existence. You remember that? And every time that he would speak it into existence, the Bible says, and it was good. I find it very interesting and not accidental that God did not speak mankind into existence. He formed you with his fingers. As a representation, I believe, to show us how personal he wants to be with us. Gnosko. Mm, I'm going to assemble her exactly the way that I want her to be, and I'm going to put this gifting inside of her, and I'm going to put this ability in there, and I'm going to put this situation, and this is my plan for her life. And it was good. But if you get to Genesis chapter 2, and I'm pretty confident it's verse 16, you'll hear for the first time in all of Scripture something wasn't good and you know what wasn't good the Bible declares that you be alone that's not good and some of us are just trying so hard to be alone we don't want to trust each other and we don't want to talk to other people and because I've been betrayed I don't trust anybody that's of that gender or of that age or whatever it is and because this was my hurt and I won't and listen to me that's fine okay I get it there's healing because we're going to get to the second cup and we're going to talk about finding freedom from those kinds of real things that happen in our lives but I'm telling you, to gnosko the Father, you're going to have to be vulnerable and you're going to have to trust somebody. Who can you start with? Who is it? And I'm saying stretch yourself a little bit, man. Be in that life group. Be in it. Yeah, but it's uncomfortable for me. I'm an introvert. I know. I know. But I want you to gnosko the Father like Jesus prayed. And I'm telling you right now that you're not going to know him if you don't know his word, if you don't know his way, if you don't know his plan, and if you don't know his people. Because it's the people of God that bring us to the fruition. The cup of praise is all about us becoming a people. This is what it's all about. And I'm just, I can't tell you enough how imperative it is that you say, man, I've got to commit to the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. We are his body. And listen to me, if you are separated from the body, 
you are not okay. You're not okay because you've left the source of life. And so I don't really know who I'm preaching to, probably me, I'm hoping that it helps you, but I'm just saying to you that you need to be connected to his people. And we just do it in all kinds of ways. Like we don't do stuff just to do stuff. And that's a lot of what I want this series to be about. But guess what, Sunday services, that's a great way to connect to his people. So maybe you stop making it optional and make it a priority, just a consideration. Life groups, it's a way that we help people connect relationally. Serving on a serve team, guess what you're doing? You're connecting with people relationally. Just this morning, I don't have time for this, but I'm gonna land the plane right now. Just this morning, and I'm in three huddles every Sunday morning, three huddles. I'm in a main huddle here. I go straight into a worship and production huddle for what goes on in this room, and then I head over to Camp Rock Kids, and I'm a part of their huddle over there. And in this huddle right here, this morning, we had the opportunity to get an update on someone that we know in our church who's going through a lot right now. We got an update on her status and how she's doing. Guess what we did? We prayed over her again today. Why? Because we're relationally connected. So she's not walking alone. She's not carrying this burden on her own. She has a family there for her, people around her, lifting her up with the most valuable thing we could offer, prayer. Does that make sense? And some of you, you just need people. You keep going to be alone. Stop it. Stop it. You'll never know God. You'll never have a Gnosko relationship on your own. Okay, I told you I was done, and I am. If you're in this room, tuning in online, and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, but something about today, something about today has just compelled your heart to say, maybe Jesus' death on the cross counted for me. And he just sent me to tell you it did. That's the whole point of why he asked me to be here today. It's for you. I want you to see this verse, and I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. But I want you to see this verse, John chapter 17, verse 3. This is the way, the Bible says. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you. Gnosko you. The only true God and Jesus Christ the one you sent. With every head bowed, every eye closed all across this auditorium, I'm going to ask nobody looking around or moving, if you can help it, just for a moment. I just want to speak to the people in the room who've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Or perhaps you're just so far from God, for whatever that reason may be, you just feel like, man, I am really, really far from God. I want to invite you into a relationship. I want you to partake in the first cup today to know God. And maybe for some of you, it's for the very first time, but I want you to know him more and more and more. And then maybe for others of you, it's just a reconnection for another time. And guess what? That's okay. He is the God of another chance. So every head bowed and every eye closed, Jesus made this declaration, John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. What I would love for you to do today is make a decision to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to repeat a prayer after me. Church family, you know how we do it. I always ask everybody in this room, let's say it out loud together. Because we want to help those saying it for the first time. We want you to be able to say it loud and confidently because this moment matters. Here's our prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. All of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. 
Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet.